listener production. Coming up on your Footy Talk Forum Monday, we talk about the Blues and what they weren't able to do at the MCG, the crisis that is the West Coast Eagles, some controversy around the Dreamtime game and a pre-function. We talk how good the pies are going, plus some goal umpiring decision. This is the Footy Talk podcast coming up next. This is the Footy Talk podcast for your Monday, your daily dose of footy. The latest news, interviews and analysis from the world of AFL. A real treat on a Monday. Jay-Z Clark, usually in. He's just said, no thanks, can't help you out today. <laughs> and what a replacement off the subs bench. This is like subbing out LeBron James and bringing in Michael Jordan. Tom Brown is here. Good morning, Abs. Good morning, Daisy. Great to be in place of Jay-Z. He's probably at the Herald Sun breaking stories. I'm here helping you guys. So no, I've probably done myself a disservice. He's down the Great Ocean Road. He's asked for time off. Uh, apparently, there's no Wi-Fi down there and he can't help us out. However, as I look to the screen, <laughs> I can see this is either one of the great green screens in the history of podcasting. Abby Holmes is here. Abby, welcome. Uh, to quote the great Lara Bingle, where the bloody hell are you? Oh, <laughs> hello, guys. That is absolutely piss weak by Jay-Z. He's, yes. he's in downtown somewhere in Victoria. I'm in East Arnhem Land in the Northern Territory, so a very, very remote part of the NT. And I'm um, wrapped that I do have some Wi-Fi here to be able to jump in and talk some footy with you guys. I love the fact that I'm in golf attire. I've obviously got a busy day as well. And you've just requested that we wrap this up pretty quickly because (laughs) you've got some fishing to do. Hey, we are about to, yeah, get the boat in and and go fishing. So if we can make this one quick uh, on your Monday morning, that would be epic. Uh, There's plenty of barra biting. So hopefully we can have a good day out. Oh, looks like a bad day to be a barra up in the NT. Tommy Brown, there's lots of news circling around. Probably the biggest story out of the weekend is the Blues. That's where we're going to start with your top five biggest newsy, newsy bits from oh, the weekend. Oh, the big five, the top five. <laughs> and I think the Blues are the biggest story from the weekend. I didn't think yesterday's loss to Collingwood plunged them into crisis per se, but Daisy and Abby, you know there's problems at your football club when you roll out the president at nine o'clock on a Monday morning, and that's what uh, Carlton did this morning. It was time for Luke Sayers, the El Presidente, to speak, and uh, obviously he was asked whether he would uh, guarantee Michael Voss, and he said that uh, we love Vossi. Oh, Vossi's our oh, contracted coach. No. And you know, he gave a very strong endorsement of Vossi, but I've heard that before. And um, and he also was asked about the finals and said that's clearly their aim to play finals. So I would surmise, guys, Carlton, I think four, they're four and six, um, I would surmise that if Carlton miss the finals, all hell will break loose down there. That would be my summation of this situation. Four and a half, because they had the half win against uh, the Tigers, which could be critical. I was pretty positive about the Blues last week, thinking they can still win nine of 13 on the way home. So I reckon they could beat Sydney this Friday night. They starting should. This Friday night. Yeah. So I don't think it's as doom and gloom as perhaps it could get to. So I'm a bit with you, Daisy. I hope this resolves itself. But just to um, labour on my point from last week, the president, Luke Sayers, Michael Voss, Brian Cook and Brad Lloyd have all got contracts now linked to the end of next year or 10 years, employment 10 years linked to the end of next year. And Carlton, I don't think, and I'd like to hear from you guys, I don't think they can afford to miss the finals this year. No, No, definitely. And And I'm actually really happy that they've mentioned finals because we were talking about this last week and the fact that they said, you know, if we don't make finals, it's a, you know, it'll be okay and whatnot. I I feel like if they do not play finals in 2023, it is a complete and utter fail. So the fact that he's come out and said, that's our expectation. That's where we're going to be. I'm happy about it. But yeah, it's, um, 
it hasn't been the best start for the Blues. We really expected them to be on that upward trajectory and we know that Collingwood are a very good side and it was always going to be a tough ask for them yesterday. But five goals to one in that opening term after such a big build-up and a Collingwood v Carlton game, 80,000 at the MCG, yeah, it, um, it was a bit disappointing. This now becomes mixed messaging. So we've heard... Chera come out and talk about the fact that if they don't make finals, it isn't a, so much of a write-off as a season. Now you've got the president coming out and saying, if we miss finals, it is. We want to make finals. I'm a bit with you, Abs. I wish this had been the messaging all along. You sort of sell yourself the dream and the belief, even if it is, okay, we're not going as well as we want. You say we're going to play finals. There becomes an expectation on you rather than softening and tampering the expectations. Speaking to a lot of Carlton fans after yesterday, they were absolutely shocked at the lack of physicality that their side bought in the first quarter of that game. And watching along, I was a little bit the same. I expected the Blues to come out, backs against the wall, the old enemy, just to go after the Pies, just to physically attack them with all their might, and whether that meant, you know, the odd spot fire here on there. But they came out and it was almost as if the ambushing was done by the Pies back onto the Blues. They were the ones that were heightened in a manner that they came out and played some unbelievable football. One goal, two to five, two in the first quarter. That's your ball game. I, was, I couldn't agree more. I was uh, sitting in the commentary box in the first quarter and just thought the atmosphere was flat, which for yeah. a Carlton-Collingwood game is just not right. And we spoke to Scott Selwood on the Sunday rub. We asked him about Craig McRae's approach. We know how... You all good there, Abs? I think we're hearing fire sirens. Yes. You're all good. That's not, That's a, not a crocodile like alert a, yeah. or something. That might be the barrel alert. Oh, <laughs> Is that the better. local fire brigade? <laughs> yeah, look, there are some crocs that walk about town, so uh, I'll keep my eyes open, boys. <laughs> if we see anything behind you, we'll let you know. Guys, this Thanks. was uh, just to jump in there uh, briefly uh, and just actually just divert the attention from the roaming croc. Well, actually, roaming Brian, roaming crocodile. <laughs> Uh, this was Michael Voss's response uh, to the performance, particularly from a defensive perspective, post-game. Let's have a listen. I'm going to be walking out of here and um, being lost on the message that, um, you know, defensively we're not good enough right now. So um, I understand there's been some um, chatter around, you know, what we need to do offensively and how we can maximise better and be more efficient going forward. But the reality is this game's imperfect. Um, there's mistakes happen. How you correct those mistakes and how you, how you flick into defence quickly so you can get a ball back quickly. We're just not recovering it quick enough. And a part of that, I think, stems from the lack of pressure in and around the football. So when you're a defender, you play a proactive position as you're taught as part of a team defence. But when the midfield slices and dices you with no pressure on it, you're either caught trying to find your man then and scrambling to. You don't know which space you have to protect because usually you protect the dangerous space. So if the ball's coming down the outer wing, you'll be able to see your man take the front position and then every other defender um, references off you, if you will. When mm. the ball's coming through like that, the dangerous space is everywhere. That's why they got so exposed. It's uh, quite concerning, but that lack of intensity at the start for me, that's the big one. I, I still can't get my head around how they weren't wound up like tops to come yeah. out and just go all guns blazing from the first quarter from a physical sense. Yes, you might have got outplayed, but at least show that you're hitting mm. bodies, you're up for it. No one really went near Nick Dacos. No one went after anyone. I just expected something more, and every Carlton person I've spoken to was on the same boat. And that's the ball game, isn't it? That opening quarter, you come out with five goals to one. What was the margin in the end? 28 points. Yeah, um, You know, they were able to, I guess, in that third quarter, have a lot of repeat entries and, you know, they scored, what, 15 behinds as well. So they did get their opportunities. But, yeah, it was just that first half of footy. The, as you said, the mentality of everybody, every onlooker yep. there and, and, you know, watching 
on telly expected it to be such a tough and contested opening quarter with everybody just cracking in, and that's unfortunately not what we got. Dave Hughes has left a high-profile Carlton WhatsApp group in the wash-up too. He is oh cracked dear. It. He's left. The That's a story. Dave Hughes has left the conversation. So The Carlton Heavies were at the lunch yesterday. Oh, yeah. Anthony Pratt, who I looked up last night, is worth $11.1 billion. US dollars. That's Ooh. about 16 or $17 billion Aussie. What's it? That put him number three on the list behind your good self? <laughs> hey, oh, Tommy <laughs> and, Brown's going uh, and, all right, uh, isn't Rob he? Priestley was there, the, <laughs> yes. the vice president who could become president. He's a, he's a head honcho at JP Morgan. They're just the Carlton Heavies. Always Ooh. interesting to see them in action right. at a home game. Right. Just we'll, sort of congregating in the room. We'll keep an eye on this story because no doubt, if there's a loss to Sydney this week, I feel like your car will be parked firmly out the front of Icon Park. West Coast with the other big story for the weekend. And again, in a negative light, a 116-point loss to a team that is going as bad as them in terms of win-loss ratio. Unacceptable. Questions now asked, where are they at? What's the go with the coach? Is this the plan going forward? So just for context, that's arguably the most powerful off-field team in the competition, uh, perhaps equal to Collingwood, depending how which way you look at it. But uh, in terms of money, the richest, West Coast yesterday kicking four goals to 26 against Hawthorne. That's unbelievably low. Two points in the second half, one mark inside 50 for the game. So they've heavily, heavily backed under Trevor Nisbet, their CEO, Adam Simpson, obviously recently. Simpson did a uh, video uh, post-game yesterday, obviously, for the members, just pleading for patience again. Um, it'll be interesting to see what their response this week. It's funny in football, isn't it? We ask for stability off-field, and it's almost like West Coast has too much stability and we're now questioning and scratching our heads as to how we could even be <laughs> in this situation. Do you think he keeps the position? after this year ongoing, or is it time for change? No, well, it, it was interesting as well having Glenn Jakovic pop up and say that Adam Simpson is done and, and arguably, you know, the darkest day for the footy club. And we keep yeah. looking at West Coast and wondering where to from here, but they literally, they've been smashed by injury, yes, yeah, so they don't have a backup plan. They don't have a plan B this season. So for Adam Simpson as well, what, what is he supposed to do when you don't have the cattle? So uh, there's three observations of mine which I've been consistent on throughout West Coast's plight. Their form seemed to change when the language out of the hub was we don't want to be there, and ever yep. since then it's been off track. Adam Simpson has got currency in the coaching market, and I think that he is now in danger of perhaps, to be frank, losing a little bit of that. Like if if the Blues or a Port or a team that changed coaches, and I don't think Port will, by the way, I'll get to that shortly, but if a, a team was to appoint him, you'd sort of go, well, that's a good appointment. Adam Simpson's a bit of a gun coach, won a flag six years ago, but geez, things have gone off course. And the other thing that worries me with him is he's obviously an unbelievably good person, but he sort of comes across as being almost a bit emotionally shot by it or impacted by it. And his press conferences, that's great that he's showing emotion, but I just worry about the impact this is now having on some of the people there. Well, it'd be the same questions where in, week out, which becomes really frustrating and annoying, but they're not 116 point worse side than Hawthorne. Even with the list that they have at the minute and what Hawthorne are dishing up, you could cop eight goals, you could cop nine goals, 10 goals, you'd probably question it. 116 points is shocking. It's near on embarrassing to, to see the way they went about it in that second half. To and Hawthorne they've obviously gone well. older with their list um, and it's going to require some rejuvenation and you can't shortcut the draft. So it's going to take two, three, four years to fix this, but before a compromise draft. So they've got some big, big decisions to make. The other one is conditioning, fitness and conditioning. They just seem to lose player after player after player. I know a lot of them are impact injuries and perhaps beyond the uh, realm of the fitness department, but they have to announce some type of review into that fairly soon, you think. It's the same fitness guy they had in 2018, though, when they <laughs> went on to win a final. So 
I won't talk about it, Tom, sorry. Um, no, no, that was, that, was a, that, was a, that was a bad day. That was a tough day. Hey, hang around, because after the break, we're going to talk all things the Pies, the Bombers, and a monumental stuff-up that cost North Melbourne their third win of the season. This is the Footy Talk Podcast. If you have a question for us, get involved on the Instagram at footytalk underscore pod or on the TikTok at Footy Talk Pod. Tommy Brown's still here, as is Abby Holmes all the way up in Arnhem Land. We're going to push on with some more of the news from the weekend. The Pies, and in particular, I see here Josh Dacos. The Pies are just insatiable at the minute. Brilliant. They are flying. Everyone's second team at the moment, apparently, which is just uh, goes contrary to sort of uh, popular beliefs in footy, doesn't it? But that's how attractive a proposition they are in terms of watching at the moment. I know my partner, Tara, loves watching them. She's a, a Sydney person, but just loves the, the way that Collingwood play. And I think that's bringing new audiences to the game. And I just think it's great watching the Pies. Having said that, I'm self-admittedly biased, Daisy. Understandably. Abs, what is your take on the Pies? You... Oh, uh, someone who has a good eye of the game, you must be loving what they're doing. Big, big fan of the Pies. I'm a diehard South Australian, having followed the Adelaide Crows my entire life, but definitely Collingwood are my second team at the moment. I'm a big fan of Craig McRae, Darcy Moore, what he's doing in that leadership role this season. Sorry, the birds are up and about here on your That's Monday okay. morning. I love um, it. <laughs> but I really just love watching them play. You look at the weekend fixture and you're like, oh, Collingwood are playing on a... Sunday afternoon, I'm going to sit on the couch and watch that one. You will not miss a Collingwood game. So um, they're a very, very good side. They're playing with so much energy and, and having fun as well. I think what they were able to do over the Mother's Day with bringing the mums in yep. and, and having um, Bo McCreary's mum address them, they're just winning a lot of fans week to week. And, um, yeah, as I said, Craig McRae, he's a bloody legend and I'm really enjoying watching his journey at Collingwood. I'll get to Nick Dacos, but just a quick one from you, Daisy. Um, did Collingwood miss an opportunity to put Carlton to the sword yesterday, or is it more a testament to the fact that Carlton were a bit more competitive than they've been in recent weeks? I thought it was one of the more professional games I've seen the Pies play. They got themselves in a lead. They didn't then need to continue to play fast, highlight football. The Blues sacrificed a lot of numbers in and around the contest because that's where they were getting smashed. They were losing the territory battle. So the Pies just accepted the fact that we'll punch on inside the contest. We'll take yeah. a plus two behind the footy. We're five or six goals up. This isn't going to be a model that Carlton are going to use to win the game. Craig McRae has gone perfect. We'll keep it at an arm wrestle here. We'll win by five goals. We move on to next week with absolutely zero risk of losing that game. And that's what it was. It was a genuine masterclass, again, from the Pies. Darcy Moore with 11 intercept marks. I think it's a oh, new record. God, and his dad, Peter, was down in the rooms afterwards. He's just out here from the States at the moment, Peter, uh, which is great to see. Now, a talking point was obviously Nick Dacos's. I don't want to call it a jumper punch or a gut punch because I didn't think there was much follow-through in it. It was a tummy rub. At <laughs> At best, sorry, at worst, I should say, this could be classified, even if you did went intentional body and low impact, it would be a fine. But I did ask Josh Dacos about this post game. I spoke to Josh in the rooms, and just for some context, Josh recently got fined and then asked Nick to pick up <laughs> yeah. the tab. And I raised that topic with Josh yesterday. I don't think he's keen to pick up Nick's tab. Oh, no, I, I saw it. There wasn't much. I'm sure he'll uh, maybe get a fine. He'll have to uh, pay this one himself, I think. I was going to ask that. Will you pay his? Oh, not a chance. Not a chance. <laughs> he, um, he actually helped pay for uh, a few of ours. So uh, I think a few of the boys probably won't chip in for this one. We'll probably sit out. Um, I think Nick was here. He is in the wrong doing himself. 
I absolutely love that. The fact that he actually picked up the tab, I think it was Braden Maynard's I fine. Love he chipped that. in for that. Chipped in for his brothers because they were sticking up for him. He is a ripper. I also love the fact that Tom's just bringing his own audio to throw to questions <laughs> yeah. that he asked. Well, Such is the brilliance well, of the man. Love that. Love that from you, T. Brown. But do you Throwing know, yourself. How's, on that radio um, interview when they did stitch up Nick Dacos with yes. Josh, the fact that Nick didn't even argue, he, just, yeah, yeah. he was like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I'll get bruzzies. Yeah, we're all good. I'm like, mate, I would have been like, absolutely not. I would have, yeah, <laughs> argued that. But I, I certainly don't think that there is anything in this. And Daisy, you're probably of the same opinion as me. Nick Dacos, he's been copying it each and every yep. week from every opposition side and he does not react. He's just so, um, I don't know what the word is. Stoic almost in his approach stoic. to it. Stoic, yeah. Yep. So it's actually kind of nice to see him actually standing up for himself. So Yeah, um, it's brilliant. Yeah, I don't think there was anything in that, Tom. No, I think a fine at most. But yes. uh, the Bombers, Dreamtime at the G was awesome. Now the Bombers, they get away, sneak away with a one-point win in a thriller, really setting up their season for what potentially could be a tilt at finals. If you look at the draw, they still have two games against North Melbourne to come, plus the West Coast Eagles twice in the run home, Thomas. Can I ask a controversial question? Of course you can. That's your job. You guys know how the draft works. You know how all this situation works. You know Essendon want to top up on talent. I realise it's very, very good playing finals. No. But I would no. suggest the Bombers. Stop. I would suggest the Bombers. You want a long-range tank so they don't play finals. Not, they shouldn't tank. They clearly need, and that was a great win, so a character-building win. It's better but for I them to finish 14th and 8th. If I was a Bombers fan, I'd rather finish 14th and 8th. I reckon if you're a Bombers fan, you pose that to them, I reckon you'd be lucky to get out of the they room. They know the way this works. I They've got good players. They need some more good players and they can be genuine contenders. They need to learn how to continue to win. I'll tell you what Finals. they've got is a good coach. They I, too have a good coach. I uh, did the boundary and Joey Montagna uh, called on Saturday night and Daisy and Abby, you'll be right across this. It was put, and we spoke about it on the Triple M coverage, that, and I'm not doing a good job summing it up, but basically Essendon played a very deliberate strategy yep. against Richmond in the first half and it slowly adjusted throughout the game and in the end it worked. Would that be a fair summation? Yeah, absolutely. And I think Brad Scott, what he's been able to do since arriving um, at Tullamarine has been awesome. Um, we know that obviously what the Bombers had a four and one start to round five and then four consecutive losses. But in those losses, um, they were still super, super competitive. And obviously in the last couple of weeks had lost a couple of their key players through injury. So as you said, just his ability to play kind of two styles um, in the first half and the second half, and it paid dividends. Like the, the Bombers in the last 10 minutes of the Dreamtime clash um, were on. They knew exactly the task. They knew what they were need, needing to do to come over the top, and they played it beautifully. And um, for Durham to have that shot to, to win them the game, your heart <laughs> broke. His response? Oh, your heart broke for <laughs> Richmond because you just knew that that was it. There was It was seven seconds left on the clock after that, but... Credit to them, credit to Stringer for just getting it on the left and, and hitting the top of the square, and he was fortuitously in the perfect spot. That was a four-game losing streak they broke there, so mm. somewhat season-defining, if you will. Abs, you've got a little bit of a bee in your bonnet, not in the literal sense, more in the fact that you want to get something <laughs> off your chest yeah. in and around the goal umpires, and I like the angle you're coming at with mm. this one. Look, we love our umpires. We love them all, don't we? Um, they've got one of the uh, toughest jobs. Seven and a half thousand dollars says that I didn't love all of them, but yes, we are yeah. trying to get around the umpires. But I've got a bit of a, a bone to pick with the goal umpires because when you're calling for a goal review to determine whether the ball is out on the fall or going through for a behind, I think we've got something seriously wrong. I think you need to make a decision in that one. If you're going to the arc for every little, um, you know, every little 
kick that you're not sure on. Um, what's the point of us actually having goal umpires? Because we may as well, we may as well just be using the technology. I would prefer the umpires to make a decision and stick with it and potentially get one wrong every now and then, than to just go to the arc and, um, yeah, get things overturned or whatever it might be for something that isn't necessarily going to change the, the landscape of a game. You know, if it, if it comes down to a one point or a two point um, finish, no worries, okay, we can do that. But when there's a side that's up by, you know, yep. 30 points, 40 points, whatever it might be, what's the point but in that? Don't you need a blanket rule though? You, you can't like adjust the rules in no, the last I, quarter if it's close. I think you can have a feel for the game and what the game's requiring. Mm. So if you think it's a genuine 50-50, the ball's gone 100 metres over the – oh, that's probably a slight exaggeration yeah. – 20 metres over the point post. Yeah. And you yeah. can understand that there's going to be no definitive evidence. Just yeah. make a call. This because is a sensitive one for Collingwood fans, obviously. You're going yeah, to make your job null and void. You don't want to be doing that. You don't want to be putting it so much to the technology mm. that this conversation starts coming. And with the review process that currently takes far too long, in my opinion, yeah. we don't want it always going upstairs for these – uh, little ones. If it, if you're unsure about a goal, I get that. If you think it might have hit the post and you can go straight to edge or whatever it is. But the ones you're talking about, Abs, when there was one against the Western Bulldogs in Ballarat, yeah, it goes well over the point post. No one, no angle is going to be a definitive answer. It goes to umpire's call. I, I reckon we're 12 months to 18 months off the uh, tennis type technology. Oh, yes. Chipping the ball. Yeah. the ball. Yeah, that's yeah. getting closer. As long as it doesn't affect the flight, Gil McLaughlin's supportive of that. But and, that's uh, what that like, we we love closer. our umpires though, and we love the goal umpires. So we don't want it to get to that. I, I imagine and, a game without D Rizzle just in imagine, there, just with a big grin on his face. Imagine exactly. We, the, we, we don't want that. But, out with, of it. Yeah. but with the technology and us throwing to the arc for every little decision that might not have any, um, you know, direct reference on the result of a game. I, just, I, I wouldn't mind yeah. throwing to the arc on one additional item actually, which is the forward fifty marks, where it looks like the ball hits the ground first and is paid as a mark. There's an example that uh, on uh, that cost Melbourne in favour of Port on Friday night. Right. One of those. Are, are they fresh? Okay. Go to a third umpire sort of set up inside forward fifty. Another great way to delay the game. However, <laughs> it will bring sponsors in if we have more technology involved. We're going to wrap up shortly, but the big talking point in fact, uh, in terms of a, an injury point of view, is Clayton Oliver gone with a hammy. Expected to miss how long? Well, What's your be, take on it, Tom? It was scanned Saturday afternoon. Hamstrings with a play like that, I think, tend to be fairly standard as long as there are no tendon issues where yep. they can be blow out. But I would suggest that it'll be four, three, four or five weeks, Daisy. Yeah. And I think the Western Bulldogs are saying it's going to be a longer term for Jason Johannesson, yeah. who has had the tendon issue, which is a shame because he was back playing some great footy. It didn't look good, did it? And um, he could hardly actually even shuffle to the interchange bench. So shattered for JJ. I think the gardener's rocking up, guys. So he Did might. Did Bucks have to... rip his hamstring tendon <laughs> like when he was a coach once? He had to go for surgery. Didn't uh, he? I think Bucks has done both of the hammies a lot of times. Hey, we could talk about this stuff all day, but unfortunately, we can only bring you the best of it, and that's what we've done today. Tommy Brown, you've been absolutely brilliant. Abby Holmes, you go and enjoy the fishing, and whoever the gardener is, tell him to mug bloody piss off because we're trying to wrap this up. This has been the Footy Talk podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, hit the bell and send us a voice message on Insta. If you want a cameo on the show, we're keen to hear from you. Joey and Rui tomorrow. This has been the Footy Talk podcast. Listener.